Welcome to Hubbub, the people's podcast, where we engage our citizens and investors with the activities of the Planning and Code Administration and encourage everyone to contribute to Hagerstown's growth. Well, welcome to the April edition of the Hubbub podcast. It's already April. My name is Sean Brown, and I am with the highly esteemed Donnie Harcum. How are you? I'm doing well. You're always so sweet to me. Well, I have to be. This, I got to work with you. This is true. This is true. But here yeah. we are, 22 episodes in, almost two years of the Hubbub podcast. It's hard yeah. to believe. Yeah, you know, I think I remember when we were starting out, and we were just talking about this as a concept. We're like, could we have enough topics? Right. But you know, we do, and then some of these, kind of like today, are worth you know repeating some things, and mm-hmm. you know, we're up keeping things updated. So it's good. Yes, it is. It's tons good. of tons of information out there, and we have no signs of or no intentions of slowing down. So yeah. glad you're here with us. Absolutely. So today's podcast is really an important one. I think, especially in light of the current climate with the pandemic and when we're talking about uh, rental units, um, of course, there's a lot going on normally. And under the best of circumstances, this program today, I think, will help benefit a lot of people. Hagerstown is somewhat unique in that about half or maybe a little more of the city is actually rental units. So we're talking about, when we're talking about rental interior inspections, we're talking about something that has a tremendous impact on the city, uh, depending on how well the program runs and and the participation in it. And this program today is really key to people who not only own, manage, or, you know, whoever operate rental properties, but if you're a tenant, uh, equally important as well, because this information is going to help you to understand if you're one who rents a unit, uh, what's expected uh, of someone who uh, operates a, a rental unit. So we're going to discuss a number of things with our program today. We're going to talk about tips. Uh, I think a big part of this program is really just doing things to maintain good relationships uh, because we have you as a landlord, and we have you as a tenant, and then we're the inspector. So we all have to be able to work together very, very nicely, and it's important to maintain good relationships. And so really the uh, this this program today is just designed to provide a lot of good uh, information so that everyone knows what is expected when it comes to required inspections. And of course, this is the city of Hagerstown. We're going to talk about some broad things. We're going to talk about a number of things specific to Hagerstown. But in principle, you're going to find that a lot of these things are very similar, perhaps in your jurisdiction, if you live elsewhere. So we're going to be talking about a number of things when it comes to re- rental interior inspections, what's required, and discussion on what's involved in regular inspections. But one thing that we definitely understand is that it's striking a fine balance. Because if you're a landlord or you're managing a property, what are you trying to do? Well, you're trying to keep an eye on your property, make sure that it's maintained, kept in good repair so you can satisfy code requirements. Um, but at the same time, you're trying to satisfy tenants as well. And, and maintain that because there's a great expense uh, if you have to have a tenant turnover. So your goal as a landlord is to maintain that unit so that you can keep your tenant there as long as possible. So you don't want to infringe on their rights and, and make things uncomfortable to them, but you're also trying to avoid uh, serious costly problems and still continue to maintain that relationship with your tenant. So we understand that uh, you want to protect your investment 
but still maintain those good relationships. I think, is, is, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, we see both sides of it, you know, as our primary role as inspectors, you know, we do a lot of these rental inspections and we see both sides. We see really good relationships out there. We see relationships between a tenant and landlord that aren't so great. Um, it, I, I'll tell you, it just makes everything so much easier when everyone is getting along. Um, and, you know, that's part of the podcast today. It's going to give some guidance on, you know, everybody's role in all of this. Yeah, and if, and if I could add to, sure. uh, the, the, we try to strike that balance too because um, you know we're tasked with enforcing the code, and so we're trying to help the tenant out. Mm -hmm. You know, things need to be addressed, but then we're also trying to help the landlord. And and I think we do a good job in working very hard to try to kind of bring those two together, come to a you know a good solution, and try to work with people. Right, and as you said, finding that balance. You know, we want to be easy to work with as far as the landlord's concerned, you know, when it comes to time and money, we definitely understand all that, but we also wanna make sure the tenant is safe in their residence. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about these inspections, when should you as uh, the landlord perform an inspection of your unit? And there can be a lot of debate um, on this topic. And from our research and experience, we would say a landlord uh, should be doing these inspections whenever a new resident moves in um, on an annual or biannual basis and when a tenant moves out. So when a tenant moves in, these are typically called move-in inspections. Uh, the best time to conduct these types of inspections are when the tenant gets the keys and signs the lease before their belong belongings have moved into the unit. Um, when there are items in the room, it's kind of hard to access all the areas. Uh, so you have some furniture down already, you may not see, you know, uh, uh, messed up carpet or messed up floor, that kind of stuff. So you wanna make sure it is empty during those move-in inspections. Um, when doing the routine um, inspections, such as annual or biannual basis, um, you know, routine inspection is more than just a quick chat uh, with the resident um, just to see how things are going. And these routine checks can help you prevent your property from losing value due to issues that can escalate themselves if left untreated. Uh, these checks are also a uh, way to keep your tenant satisfied and keeping tenant turnover low. So that just gives you an idea of, um, you know, when you should be doing these inspections as a landlord. Yeah, you know, and that's a good point, uh, Donnie, because if a landlord or you as a landlord are taking all of those steps uh, through the process of that tenant living there, then what that does is that helps you when it's time for that tenant to move out and then it's a little bit a better process because you know what's been happening, um, you know things have been maintained and then when that ten tenant's ready to move out, you kind of have a good idea how it's going to be left. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, th that's a good, good idea there. So when we think about when that tenant moves out, now you have this move out inspection. What you're doing basically, as you know, as a landlord, and the tenant knows as well as you, that you're there to see what kind of condition the unit is being left in when that tenant leaves. So it's really good to be upfront with the tenant. You, you know, they know that you're trying to respect their privacy, but you're also making sure that those units, the unit they're in is being kept up to date and uh, maintained. And then when it's time to move out, now you have accountability. Uh, doing that protects really both sides. It protects the landlord because uh, if you've got the tenant there when you're doing that move, move out inspection and that's recommended, you both understand how it's being left. And then it also helps the tenant as well uh, to be accountable as well because they know when they move out what's expected 
they're going to know automatically if they're going to get their deposit back or a portion of it or, or not at all because of what the expectations have been set. So a question could be, why should I as the landlord perform routine inspections? Donnie stated, you know, that's what should be done, but uh, why? Well, you think about this is an investment that you're trying to protect. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to mitigate the issues before they get serious. Sometimes, unfortunately, you may not find out, if you haven't looked at the property, you may not find out there's an issue till down the road and the problem has got so uh, serious and now it's a large expense when it could have been preventable and a small expense in the very beginning. Uh, when you think about things like roof leaks, pipes, infestations with termites, you know, those things that can start out very small and can be handled very quickly with minimal expense as opposed to something like those things we just mentioned. If they're let go, uh, an incredible amount of money can be lost there. And then, of course, as a landlord, there's a certain liability there that you want to be aware of if there's safety concerns, potential safety hazards. Um, of course, that infect, uh, affects insurance rates and those types of things. But uh, the last thing even any landlord uh, wants to have is something that's very, very serious um, when it comes to, say, for example, malfunctioning smoke detectors. We see them on the news. You know, uh, a family gets displaced, uh, lives are lost uh, because of just lack of a smoke detector. So there's a number of things that uh, you're going to, to look at as a landlord to make sure that there's, uh, they're staying in place when it comes to, to safety standards. And that what that's going to turn all of that, even though that's an investment of time and energy, you know that that's a positive payoff because now you're maintaining a good relationship with your tenant. Um, it's going to be less expense. You're going to have a good relationship. And then you're able to also ensure that your tenant is also abiding by the lease terms, keeping it in a good condition, maintaining it per whatever agreement that you have, and uh, also making sure that the unit continues to be maintained. So there's a lot of really good reasons and landlords may avoid those things because they don't want to take the time, but it could end up costing more in the way of time and, and money and resources. Absolutely. And when you're doing the right thing as a landlord, um, your tenants will choose to stick with you a lot longer, which is sometimes the most expensive part of renting out a unit to somebody is that turnover cost. Um, I've heard that the other day by a landlord, and it makes a lot of sense. So if you're taking care of the tenant, you're doing those uh, routine inspections, it's just good for everybody. So, And when you're doing these inspections, what are some you know good best practices that you should be doing? Um, we have five be best practices that we came across here. So the first thing would be to give notice prior to the inspection. So some states actually require so many hours notice to the tenant before going in for an inspection. Uh, make sure you're checking with your local jurisdiction on how much lead time uh, you are to give the tenant before an inspection. And uh, during uh, you know, COVID and you know, really all of the time, you really, really should be uh, wearing proper, proper safety gear um, practice social distancing and um, other safety measures, especially during a pandemic. Um, you also want to encourage the tenant to be present during the inspection. Uh, this could help prevent accusations of uh, theft and it can also give you the opportunity to ask the tenant about any potential problems. 
Um, and the tenants will be willing to open their homes to you um, just to catch your ear about needed repair or suggestion. You know, sometimes they may be a little timid to uh, come out and ask you uh, for help, but if you're there for a routine inspection, you know, they might be more willing to offer up that information. Mm -hmm. And you will make sure um, the tenant understands why you are doing the inspection. Explain the benefits, as Sean just mentioned, as to why you are doing these routine inspections. And also, don't take uh, uh, photos of personal items in the unit. It's just not a good idea. You know, nobody wants their privacy um, invaded. You know, you just want to get in there, make sure the unit is safe. Um, and it's generally accepted that if you took a picture of a broken window and they have a photo on the wall, you know, you might get that kind of stuff in there. But you don't want to be nosy. You know, you want the tenant to uh, feel safe in their unit during these routine inspections. So. Yeah. So, yeah, so of course, you're talking about uh, pretty much interior inspections. There's a lot to just doing an interior inspection. But there's some other things that can be done as well that can give you a lot of information as a landlord uh, is if you just simply drive by the property occasionally. You can tell a lot from the outside just by uh, driving by. That does not require any type of notice. Um, you're just driving by and looking at the exterior of a property. But that really is a key way to ensure that uh, the tenant is not perhaps violating some terms of the lease. Perhaps you are saying in your lease, no pets. Well, outside could be a sign that they have pets. Um, cleanliness, mowing the lawn. I don't know, we can speak uh, for ourselves as code. We appreciate this. Uh, by far, the most of the violations that we receive complaints on is exterior portions of the property. You know, things like trash, and high grass and weeds, the condition of the exterior. So it's just really a good idea, and we appreciate it as code individuals when you do that. Uh, um, it, it saves a lot of time. Um, it can be especially challenging, I might add, that you may be a landlord who lives not around Hagerstown, and so you may not be as prone to drive by occasionally, but it's really a good idea and, and a good investment of your time uh, really, it shows you being responsible for your property and uh, taking a look at those things. And again, that keeps us from having to make a phone call and uh, trying to work through things to get these things taken care of. Uh, it's, and it's a good idea uh, that, uh, you know, if you're going to do a formal inspection that you give that tenant uh, notice in writing to be able to address those things. Here's another thing that would be helpful as a landlord. Again, it just really goes a long way in helping uh, to have that good relationship with a person that's renting your property. Uh, because granted, sometimes we can assume that, you know, we have all this knowledge and we know what should be maintained. But the person renting the property may not really have an idea of what's expected. Uh, just being realistic, people will uh, not read an entire lease. They'll sign it. So they, they can easily forget what's in that lease. But if you were to very quickly and easily put together a maintenance guide for your renters, you know, what's agreed upon, what's the expectation of, that's something that they can very easily refer to. It can help them to see what's required of them when it comes to maintenance and what they're responsible for. You know, things like changing the filters. You know, I, I believe the recommendation is about once a month, but you know, that can save you a lot of trouble. And if you provide those reminders for your tenants, there are a lot of good resources uh, for that. There's a, a website that talks about new tenant success tips. Uh, it's at uh, rentecdirect.com. 
And then there's also uh, an example checklist uh, on there as well. Take care of your rental cheat sheet. And there's a lot of things. That's just one example that you can go online and you can find these sample maintenance checklists. And by simply providing those to your renter, reminding of those can help go a long way. So again, it's just about maintaining that good relationship. Hmm. That's, that's really good to know. I didn't know those checklists were out there. And we'll uh, be sure to um, add a link to those in the description of the podcast. So now that we talked about landlord inspections, you know, Sean and I's uh, primary job is to do uh, the rental inspections for the local government. Um, and if you couldn't recall, um, in episode 10, we actually talked about why jurisdictions have rental programs. And in this episode, we'll actually talk about um, why these programs have the inspections. So uh, part of the rental licensing program is to conduct inspections of the units being licensed per the program requirements. And as we discussed in episode 10, there are rental programs all over the globe and inspections are required in the registration process. And an argument could be made that inspections should only be conducted on places that have previous history or citations on them or have a complaint-driven or um, reactive approach to inspections. And studies have uh, been performed by independent agencies um, across the country that these type of inspection programs are ineffective. So in Montgomery County, Maryland, um, they conducted a survey and found that 20% of tenants uh, feared retaliation if they reported a code violation to the local jurisdiction. And uh, tenants often lack the information to identify many types of code issues and when it's appropriate to make a complaint. Uh, the most vulnerable tenants don't complain. You know, these tenants are unaware that they have the right to a safe and habitable housing. Um, you know, as we talked about preventative maintenance earlier, um, it's unfortunate some of the situations, you know, some of the responses that we go out on um, that tenants just didn't know. You know, they weren't educated um, and they didn't know that what they were living in was far below what they should have been. So, you know, these proactive rental inspections ensure that they have safe and healthy housing. Um, they preserve the housing stock um, and they protect vulnerable tenants and maintain neighborhood property values. So. You know, that's why we here in Hagerstown have a rental licensing program. And, uh, you know, it's just very good for everybody. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it makes a huge difference in the morale of people and the way they live. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So when we think about uh, inspection requirements, uh, we talked a lot about, you know, why it's important and, and what can be done. So with the city of Hagerstown, um, we're not unlike many other jurisdictions and when we have a rental inspection program, although they can vary in how they operate and with frequency and so forth. Uh, for example, in the city of Boulder, Colorado, they have every two-year inspections. Los Angeles is every three years. Kansas City is every two to four years depending on compliance. But here in Hagerstown, uh, our inspection schedule is no more frequent than every four years, but only at tenant turnovers. That doesn't mean we might not do an inspection if it's occupied, if it's needed under special circumstances, but as far as generally speaking, our rental inspection program is every four years, and that's of course when the unit is empty. And there's a lot of advantages to doing that inspection when it's empty because it's just much easier to do inspections. Um, if there are a lot of things in the unit, we can't easily see everything that may be defective. So we're able to do a thorough inspection 
And of course, naturally, it's less disruptive if there's a tenant not present in that unit. And in addition, uh, by performing repairs before a tenancy begins, a rental inspection a housing program uh, inspection can help protect future tenants from being exposed to dangerous conditions. So that's what we like to do. You know, someone moves out, we go in and do a thorough inspection of the unit while it's empty. And then when we're done with our inspection, um, that does two things that are really, really important. It helps the landlord, protects them, because we've said that when that tenant, new tenant moves in, we've said to them, everything is good. Everything's in good repair. It's operating as it should. And it also tells the tenant as well that when they move in, everything is good. Everything is as it should be. And so uh, everybody knows where they stand on that. So uh, really, really good um, concept to think about. So when we talk about the scope of the inspections, how many units will be inspected during ins an inspection of a structure? Well, so for example, in some jurisdictions, they may only inspect 10% of the units in a large complex at a time. Some inspect every unit, but it just depends really what it comes down to is what that elected body decides. That's what it comes down to. And then we have inspection standards. Uh, many communities use their adopted property maintenance code as the standard for inspections of the units. And so what that means is that there is a code that covers a number of areas such as fire safety, electrical, plumbing, heating, and general maintenance. And that's a, a type of uh, program that landlords can easily have access to. Uh, there's a checklist available that they can use. Um, it's easily re uh, retrievable through local jurisdictions. And what that enables basically everybody to do, landlords and, and we as code enforcement, is to be able to consistently apply the same standards across all properties. That's a lot of good information there, Sean. Um, you know, and there's also some challenges when um, implementing a program like this, like the proactive rental interior inspections. Um, these programs typically bring inspectors into contact with a much wider cross-section of a jurisdiction's housing. In some cases, uh, code enforcement activities um, can result in displacement of tenants. And you know, here are some of the challenges you know, that we run into. Sometimes we'll run into uninhabitable or illegal units. Um, these are units that we may not have been in there before and or um, we have and there's just substandard conditions that immediately threaten the health and safety of the tenants. Um, the inspectors also um, encounter illegal units that have not been registered or licensed in our program and the units that exist in there are in violation of zoning and building codes. They just should not have been there to begin with. Um, you know, there's also the tenant-created code violations. Uh, hoarding is one of the most common tenant-caused code, tenant code violations. Uh, three to five percent of Americans suffer from hoarding. And this is when um, periodic landlord inspections are very valuable to protect your property. Um, you could potentially discover a tenant that is struggling with this disorder, get them help, you know, while also protecting your property. And overcrowding is another tenant-caused code violation. Um, in locations where housing markets are expensive or tight, you know, this can be a bigger challenge. I know uh, we run into it sometimes. Um, we go out on a complaint inspection and there are way more people living there than there should be. So mm. those are just some of the challenges that, uh, you know, we've come across and other jurisdictions have come across with these rental 
um, interior programs. Yeah, you're right. Those are some of, uh, you say, challenges, and that's not lightly used because, uh, you know, we're in a situation sometimes. And uh, believe us when we say that when we are faced with a decision where we have to find someone else, uh, somewhere else for someone to live mm -hmm. because of the conditions, that is not an easy decision. No, absolutely not. And uh, But what helps us is we have to think about, is it going to be better for the person and what the situation they're in? Exactly. You know, we I mean, we are definitely protecting them from their current situation. You know, there is a reason for it. It's just not a fun decision to make. Yeah, yeah. It always go, it all goes back to safety. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about why interior inspections are important and the things that uh, you know we're looking at, uh, but maybe we could talk a little bit about what is inspected. Now, of course, and, and again, and just in the broad sense, uh, many different jurisdictions have many different guidelines as to what they're looking at, what they're specifically inspecting in a unit. But we're going to cover a little bit about uh, what specifically Hagerstown looks at when it comes to interior inspections. Um, we're not going to go into a lot of detail. We're just going to keep it very, very general so you know what we're looking at. But uh, basically, we're going to inspect all areas of the home. And that includes basements and even attics. Now, sometimes, and it's not uncommon, uh, when we go to do an inspection, uh, a landlord or owner may tell us, well, the attic, I'm going to lock that off, or the basement, I'm going to lock that off. The tenant's not going to have access to that space. But it's still required to be inspected because even if the tenant does not have access to those spaces, that doesn't mean they shouldn't be safe. So we need to look at those areas. Even if the tenant doesn't have access, we need to make sure that there are no unsafe conditions there. So that's important. But generally speaking, when we're doing an inspection, we're going to check each room, and in each habitable room, we're going to be looking at a number of things. Uh, for example, when it comes to the floors, the walls, and the ceiling surfaces, we're looking for deficiencies, you know, plaster breaking away, holes, things like that, making sure that they're in good condition. We're also going to look at each window and door. Are they in good condition? Have they deteriorated, broken windows, and things like that, making sure that they lock uh, one way or another and that they're, they're functioning properly. Uh, we might add that not every window and door are required to have insect screens, but when they are required, they must certainly meet the, the ventilation codes. And we were just talking about this uh, recently. Um, you know, sometimes people don't realize that, but windows are designed in such a way that they can actually ventilate the room and the size of the window is based on that. Uh, the size of the window that's in that particular room just wasn't pulled out of a hat. The size of the window was based on the space that it is required to ventilate. So it's good to keep in mind when you may want to use um, alternatives such as the expandable screens. So they can be used, but you still need to make sure that that window opening is meeting the ventilation requirements and that that expandable screen is doing that. We're looking at electrical outlets. Uh, basically, that's important. We want to make sure that the outlets are properly wired, that there's no hazards, that uh, lighting fixtures are properly functioning. We want to make sure that each room is capable of keeping the room, that particular space, warm, not less than 65 degrees. And in the kitchens, uh, when it comes to outlets, uh, outlets uh, within six feet of the sink, they are to be ground fault protected. So that's important as well. 
the bathroom as well, all the fixtures, that they're working properly, there's functioning, cold water, hot water, uh, same uh, with the GFCI outlets and those when required. And of course, we check the kitchen sink too. So, uh, I don't know, it's a good thing to check. Absolutely. Yeah, and so again, you know, we believe in just being fully uh, informed ourselves and fully informing all those in our community about what's expected. So anyone can go on the City of Hager's website and you can find this checklist and I'm sure this link will be found at the bottom of the page yep. as well. We will add that in the description of the podcast yep. and you know with all of these items you know as inspectors we're constantly meeting and you know making sure that we are all on the same page because uh, we we do this so often you know it's almost just, you know, second nature. You know, it's, we we know what we're doing, um, but we do um, meet regularly to make sure that we are all on the same page looking for the right things. Um, and there's, you know, different scenarios in, you know, each rental unit that we go into. Not everyone is exactly the same. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, check out that checklist so you can um, know what we're looking for uh, during our inspections. So, um, in preparation for the podcast, we uh, looked up the top 10 violations in our community for rental interior inspections. Um, so, I don't know if we need a drum roll here or what, but we're going to go down the list from number 10 to number 1. So, the number 10 violation um, is walls having holes. So, some of the, um, one of the top violations we have, there's actually holes in the wall. Um, number 9. Uh, we have electrical equipment installed incorrectly or um, not being ta- maintained uh, free from hazards. Number eight, kitchen tiling or flooring is damaged or deteriorating. Number seven, bathroom tiling or flooring is damaged or deteriorating. Number six, window or door conditions such as you know deterioration. Number five, electrical hazards in the basement. Number four, the window does not open or stay open on its own. This is a big one for me. I know I get it often um, is when a window just does not stay up on its mm-hmm. own. And especially in, uh, in Hagerstown, uh, some of these older homes, you know, just that's just how they've weathered over the years. All right, you ready for this one? Number three, living, dining, or bedrooms have damaged wall surfaces. So going back to number 10, you know, walls having holes you know, other damages to the walls. Um, number two, bathroom plumbing fixtures are not functioning pro- uh, correctly. That's a big one. And finally, number one is our top code violation is living, dining, and bedroom electrical hazards, which ultimately, you know, these are some of the top safety issues there with electrical hazards that we always come across. We wanna make sure that they are properly fixed. You know, and we covered several items uh, during this podcast for the landlord to do themselves. And while the government requires inspections with the rental and pro- rental programs. And we also let you know what our department looks for during these inspections, along with our top 10 code violations. And we went through that pretty fast. So if you have any uh, questions or just want to listen to it again, just rewind that and uh, it'll be there for your listening. And like I said, we will uh, link to all the important links in the description of the podcast. Um, make sure you're following us on uh, social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. You can search for us by searching for the Hubbub Podcast. 
Um, you can watch the Hubbub podcast if you're not already. Uh, you can find us on YouTube or Facebook. And we are also on all the major uh, podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. And while you're there listening, um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go give us a rating um, and let us know what you want to hear from us. You know, as Sean mentioned at the top of the podcast, you know, we're planning out new episodes constantly. So if you want to hear something new, um, we are all ears and are willing to uh, listen. So, all right, Sean's favorite part of the podcast is our weird news story. <laughs> so this one has a fairly simple title. It's called Funny Rental Stories. All right, so this is um, comprised of three different stories. Um, the first one called The Duct Tape Castle. All right, so this one, um, uh, the college couple, they went to move into an apartment unit and you know, everything looked fine on the surface. So they signed the lease, moved on in. One day, uh, one of the tenants were cleaning the ceiling fan and realized that the ceiling fan blade was uh, damaged and was patched with uh, duct tape. Uh, a couple days later, they were leaning up against the kitchen counter. Kitchen counter started coming away from the wall. It was only being held in place by duct tape. Well, as time went on, they realized uh, the entire apartment was uh, just affixed by duct tape. So they got the duct tape castle. And I'm sure the landlord was only following, you know, maintenance tips from somewhere. I'm sure. With duct tape. Yeah. Sure. All right, the next one. <laughs> Avoid badgering potential clients. All right, so this one, um, this guy and his wife, um, they went to... Uh, view a potential apartment they were moving, wanted to move into. And the lady that currently lived there, um, you know, they heard, they heard a noise coming from the kitchen and the lady that lived there said, oh, don't worry, that's just Albert. So, you know, thinking it was a regular household pet, they go into the kitchen and find Albert was a badger. Mm. So um, that's, I guess, normal living for this lady. But in order to get Albert to leave the house, um, the tenant removed a fish from the fridge and began to sat, gently slap the furious beast in the face uh, until it scurried away in the kitchen. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, you can't make this up. Maybe Ooh. you can. All right, the third one is a catastrophe. All right, so... Did you say that correctly? A catastrophe. Cat, okay. Catastrophe. Yeah. You understand that, man. Yeah, okay. All right, so it was a semi-annual smoke alarm check day. And the landlord goes into a unit, checking the smoke alarms, and he sees there's a cat there. Well, this unit had a no pet policy. Um, so tenant or landlord immediately calls the tenant, says, I see you have a cat, but we're not supposed to have cats on this property. Uh, she quickly replies saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a cat. Um, he looks down at the, the cat and says, I'm looking at it right now. She said, "What?" Well, the tenant says, well, it's not mine. I don't know how it got there. So apparently somebody uh, broke into her house, left a litter box, a cat, cat mm. food, and just forgot to take it with them on the mm. way out. So yeah, never happens. know never know what you're going to find uh, doing your inspections. Yeah. So, yeah. Isn't that the truth? Huh? Yeah, I think we could write a book ourselves of stories. I but think so. We won't go there. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, good stories. Good oh, stories. My. All right, well, next month, as we round out our podcast today, 
interesting topic. Um, when I say it, you may not even really know what it is. Annexations. Annexations. Um, it's a big topic in the city of Hagerstown. Um, and Hagerstown, maybe we could say, is a little unusual when it comes to annexation. So tune in next month. We're going to talk about what they are, why they exist, and uh, it may explain a little bit uh, because these are the, the annexations are something that definitely have a large impact on the city of Hagerstown. So that'll be an interesting topic. For sure. Yeah. So our musical guests for the podcast uh, this month a five-piece group. Uh, they've been around for well over 30 years, been playing together and, and do it very, very well, the Cruisers. Yeah, so they play a, a lot of different venues, not so much now, just like a lot of groups are being affected with the COVID. Right. Yeah, but uh, uh, normally they would be playing at all types of venues and so forth throughout the Hagerstown area. Played a lot of local Hagerstown events. But yeah, the Cruisers, they're a variety band. They play a lot of classic rock, southern rock, 50s, and country. They really have a nice sound and nice, uh, very entertaining to watch. And of course, you can find them on social media, Facebook, YouTube. Um, had a nice brief conversation with one of the members, Mike Lushbaugh. Really nice guy and uh, very accommodating with us. And so, yeah, uh, check them out. Uh, they're very, very entertaining to watch. So we appreciate uh, your attention to the podcast this month. Uh, let's take it out with listening to the cruisers. Mm -hmm.